Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL, where you truly do hear from legends. And thanks for tuning in to today's show. Today's interview is from a live event I did with David Messina and Erica Howard of the Messina Covers on January 16th, 2021, as part of the Studio HFL Industry Pro Showcase. You know, we've all gotten great insight into mouthpiece and horn manufacturing, and this interview was a really great time getting to know about another really important part of our industry. David and Erica and I had a great time, and I hope you will too as you listen. Of course, you can listen to these interviews on any podcast platform, but now you have the option to also watch them on the Studio HFL YouTube channel. Getting very close to 100 subscribers, and if you happen to go there, please subscribe, and I would appreciate that. And as far as social media goes, also, uh, if you could make your way to Apple Podcast and leave a star rating and a review, that also would be very much appreciated. You can follow us, you can follow me, rather, on Facebook and Instagram at Studio HFL. And to keep up on releases and get a heads up on other news, you can subscribe to the newsletter at StudioHFL.com. Of course, there is a merchandise uh, tab there. You can check out the cool Studio HFL merch. There's a blog where you can find show notes for some of the podcasts and uh, some other great information on upcoming guests. Here's a huge shout out to my Patreon patrons for their generous support of the show. Your support goes a long way towards helping me to continue working to deliver the best possible end product, and for that, I'm extremely grateful. If you would like to be a part of the Studio HFL community, please visit patreon.com slash studiohfl. There you'll find four tiers of support from which you can choose, each with benefits for becoming a subscriber. And now a word about my show sponsors. Picket Blackburn has established themselves as a top-tier resource for trumpet players. There's an incredible line of mouthpieces, both custom and stock, that you can choose from with expert guidance from Eric Murine. And the Blackburn trumpets are the choice of pros like Vince DiMartino and David Hickman. And design, execution, and delivery, well, along with customer service, that's what drives Picket Blackburn. Find out more at picketblackburn.com. Brass players can be kind of picky when it comes to cases, perhaps even more so than other musicians. If you have an idea for a custom case, then Messina covers tonight's guests has your solution for completely custom case designs, even down to a wide variety of color schemes. Don't forget about options for mouthpiece pouches and other really great accessories. Check them out at messinacovers.net. One of the great things about small business is that you get the opportunity to provide exceptional customer service while delivering exceptional products. At Hammond Design, Carl Hammond provides a line of stock mouthpieces for trumpet, cornet, mellophone, trombone, and tuba, and custom orders for all of those plus flugelhorn. All made possible because Carl listens to you and then creates a piece to your specs. Everything is better in HD, and you can find out more at carlhammonddesign.com. The Eastman Music Company has become a force to be reckoned with by manufacturing and delivering high-quality instruments across the board. Eastman Winds provides a line of brass instruments from beginner to pro, and you know they're invested in the quality of every instrument when the one and only Doc Severinsen designed their beginner trumpet model. Find out more at eastmanwinds.com. S.E. Shires, another division of the Eastman Music Company, offers a complete line of brass instruments for the discerning musician. Stock options are available. Custom orders are where Shires has made their mark. And as both an Eastman and a Shires artist myself, I can attest to the quality of the horn in my hands no matter what my performance situation. And you can find out more at seshires.com. Well, that's enough intro, and now let's get to the interview with Messina Covers with David Messina and Erica Howard. Hey everybody, Larry Powell here with Studio HFL. Glad you're here tonight. And this uh, session tonight wraps up a complete week of special events that I've had here as what I've called the Industry Pro Showcase. 
in lieu of being able to go to a music ed conference, I thought it would be kind of cool to be able to bring some of these exhibitors, artists, vendors to you uh, virtually so you can uh, hear what they have to say and maybe ask some questions, make some comments. Of course, we kicked off the week with Trent Austin of Austin Custom Brass. That was a blast. The next night was the Louis Armstrong author and expert Ricky Riccardi with our special drop-in guest, Doc Severinsen. Uh, Wednesday night was Peter Pickett and Eric Marine of Pickett Blackburn. Thursday night was Whiff Rudd of Baylor University and, uh, of course, the author of the new book, Side, Side by Side. Last night was the Carl Hammond of Hammond Design Mouthpieces. And we're wrapping things up again tonight with uh, David Messina and Erica Howard, of course, with Messina Covers. And we'll get to them in just a second. But uh, all of these interviews are going to, of course, they're live right now, but you're going to be able to access these. The audio will, will come to the podcast platform tomorrow. The video will live on uh, in infamy, maybe that's the best word, on uh, the Studio HFL YouTube channel. So you'll be able to find that information uh, of course, you can always go to studiohfl.com and find links to everything there. You can also go to the blog, and for regular interviews, you'll have access to the blog and show notes for, for each of those interviews. Uh, of course, if you are interested in supporting the show, you can uh, go to patreon.com slash studiohfl and check out uh, what's available there to, uh, to help with the show. Uh, and of course, uh, now I'm fortunate to have some of the show sponsors here with us tonight. Messina Covers, of course, is uh, an important part of this. And uh, glad to have you guys on board for this. Uh, so one nice big announcement uh, coming up that I just uh, firmed up today is Thomas Gonch will be my next live guest. And that's going to be a week from Sunday. That'll be January 24th, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern. And that's, I think, well, you, you can't help but be a fun event with Thomas. So. All right, so uh, David Messina, Erica Howard, I'm going to bring you guys into the big picture here, and welcome. Glad you're here tonight. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So, you know, my first introduction to you guys was, uh, of course, I heard the name. Uh, you know, I think somebody, uh, it wasn't Joey Tartell, it wasn't somebody that has, you know, a, a ridiculous pink case just yet, but somebody. Um, Oh, uh, David Wolf, uh, one of my students, uh, had a case uh, made by you guys. And so I thought I got to check this out. And so I went on the website and I ordered uh, an eight piece mouthpiece pouch. And I didn't even think anything about it. And Erica, uh, we showed up together in Owensboro, Kentucky to play with the Owensboro Symphony. It's the first time we had met in person, first time. Uh, we were going to play together, and before anything happened, you said, I owe you an apology. It's been a year since you sent this request in, and you you presented me with this, this pouch, eight mouthpieces, right? Look at that. Isn't that a, that's obnoxious, but it's also the best conversation starter I, I think I could have in my case, right? Um, but, you know, what a, what a great thing, and uh, of course, uh, I'm going to put a couple of other things here just to show people what kind of work you do. Um, I also then had you guys make a couple of Herald trumpet cases for me because the ones I had were old and musty and just, you know, they were falling apart. So uh, I gave you a couple of my Heralds and 
this is what you came up with. So I can fit two Herald trumpets in each one of these bags. And I, I mean, the construction is fantastic. I, I feel completely safe with these instruments in there. I mean, look at that, they're beautiful. And uh, unfortunately, you know, these days they're kind of sitting um, out, of, <laughs> out of sight uh, simply because there's, there's no gigs, much less a Herald trumpet gig, right? But uh, man, great work on those. And, uh, you know, I kind of wish I could still take those out and, and, uh, and show people those. But uh, David, why don't you tell us a little bit, uh, of course, I want to know how the business started, but maybe a little bit of background yourself as a, as a musician. Well, I was a uh, bass major, upright bass major in college and joined the West Virginia Symphony in 1984 and still play. The, uh, of course, the past year has not been uh, active, but uh, looking forward to get back and getting back to playing, but mm -hmm. mostly on an orchestral bass player, uh, played in a Latin jazz band for 10 years. That was a lot of fun, but uh, a good friend of mine started a, his own bass shop and he was looking to find a, a bag maker. And so he was asking around and, and eventually got around to me and I thought I would give it a try. And, and that's how I got into it. And it's something that I really enjoy. So it's uh, the best of both worlds, getting to make music, which is ethereal and, and uh, temporary, but then getting to make bags, which are a lot more permanent. So I enjoy uh, making things. Well, it's not that you just decided I'm going to make bags. I mean, you told me previously that you actually had some very practical experience. Was it high school? It was high school. Uh, a very good friend of mine was in sewing, uh, senior sewing, and I had a free period. So I would hang around in the sewing room with them and they got tired of me sitting around. So they uh, made sure that I learned how to sew if I were going to be hanging out in the room. And, and it turned out to be, yes, a very practical skill, uh, not just making bags, but honestly, just being able to put a button back on something or mending something that you have without leaving the house is, is really very handy. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll come back to you in just a second. I want to give Erica a chance to introduce herself. Erica, give us a little bit of background uh, for yourself. I was a trumpet education major in college and I freelance trumpet perform around. I play in Owensboro and West Virginia Symphony, and I'm in the Huntington, West Virginia Symphony. And I also teach private lessons, high school mostly, with some middle school in Hardin County, Kentucky. And I enjoy sewing as well. David really encouraged me to sew and taught me everything that I know about sewing. And it's great. I think we make a great team because he had all the fundamentals for sewing and had the base bags rolling. And then when we got together, I had some newer ideas about starting brass and then expanding our color palette and other products. So it's, it's I think we make a nice compliment to each other. I like trying out new things and he will often sometimes he's good at knowing if it's something's a good sustainable idea or not from his experience. So I, we're going to sidetrack for just a second because you said Hardin County, which is where I went to school 
when I was growing up down in Hardin County, Kentucky. Really? And West Hardin High School, which doesn't exist anymore, is where I went. And of course, there was East Hardin, doesn't exist. North Hardin, I think, still exists. Mm -hmm. uh, so where, where are you teaching down there? Central Hardin is a high school. Now, I was at East Hardin, which is a middle school now, right. and West Hardin is. And I was at East Hardin with a middle school for a while, and then also North Hardin and North Middle. Wow. Holy cow, you're, you're back in my home stomping grounds there. You know, I, I lived in Cecilia, you know, which is not too far away from that. So I didn't know that. Wow. Just outside of E-Town. So, okay, now that I've bored everybody to tears with uh, my little trip down memory lane. Um, okay, so you mentioned bringing the color scheme, right? I, think about musicians, and orchestral musicians, and our, our typical color palette, which exists of black. And, and more black, right? <laughs> and then you come along, and I mentioned Joey Tartell already, you know, that that hot pink case. I mean, you guys do. See, this is what I think is so cool about this is we get more options. And, I mean, colors. I mean, now, you, you can't have the cases on stage <laughs> like we used to sometimes, but uh, that's brilliant. And I think that certainly has played into your marketing, right? Oh, certainly. And the funny thing is, when we were first talking about some of the more wild colors, David said, well, nobody's going to want that, which is hilarious now, seeing that very few people order black now. <laughs> so it's, it's really evolved, and it does set us apart. And that's something that I, I didn't really think about, the fact that it we are the only people that you can have that many color combinations and that way we don't have any competition with colors so it's a nice thing uh is there a most popular color when i started i used a midnight blue or a dark navy and distinctly because i didn't want to be another black bag so uh that was what I was doing to set myself apart. And I did that for uh, maybe 10 years, just under. And so at this point, I've been around long enough that some people consider the blue uh, the classic color. So we do a lot of midnight blue, but then Actually, it goes in waves. Currently, we've seen three coyote brown bags in a row. Then you'll have a run on forest green. Uh, the grays will pop in, and then uh, and then you'll do three red bags. It it's very cyclical that we don't. In fact, we were talking just the other day. We should we should track how the colors go just for our own edification, but. Uh, but black is truly the least popular color. Uh, well, you know, even you think uh, instruments, and I'm trying to think who might have been the first to do this, and maybe it was first act, right? But remember when somebody got the wise idea to make a blue clarinet or a purple clarinet or, you know, and, and now some of that stuff is really good, but uh, yeah, having some nice color options, right? Especially for a middle schooler. I'm not talking about the bags just yet, but, you know, yeah. colors are, are fun. Uh, you know, okay, so I'm thinking about base bags. And 
and it makes me grateful that I'm a trumpet player. And, and even sometimes carrying four or five horns around, you know, it's still nothing compared to having to lug a, a bass around. These things are still protected in, in your cases, right? I mean, that big bass is, is protected. It is. It is also incumbent upon the player. The first thing you learn, well, I taught a bass methods class uh, as an adjunct at a university. And the first thing we did with all the education majors is you load the bases up in the bags and then you troop around the building learning how to go through doors and go up and down stairs because you have to figure out where the instrument is and how to avoid whacking into things because especially uh, at the educational level you don't have money to repair instruments if the kids are beating them up and then as a pro it's a lot of money that you're lugging around and because they're so big you can't have a hard case so you really have to learn and all bass players do you have to learn how to lug it around but in a way that you are really cognizant of, of everything around you. Trumpet players, on the other hand, their horns are made of metal and they think the cases are too. Yes, but I taught a methods class, a brass methods, cl methods class, and one of the first things I taught was how to open the case. Because how many times have you seen a middle school trumpet player open the case upside down and the horn falls out? So this stuff is totally legit to teach, right? Because, you know, music ed majors might think, why the heck do I need to know this? Well, you just explained. <laughs> <laughs> why they need. So I'm curious, did you teach two sections of this, one at one o'clock and one at five? No, that, that's, I just that's, had... that, that, oh, sorry, that was a base joke. One, five. One and five. Okay. One, five. Sorry. <laughs> five and one. Five and one. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I went the wrong we, direction we, on that. Yeah, we think five more. <laughs> that was great. That was oh, great. that's, yeah. Well, and we're live too, so there's no editing that out after the fact. <laughs> Uh, so now you were just working on this by yourself for how long before, uh, Erica came along and started helping with this? Oh, probably about, gosh, how far back is that? About 13 years, I think. Yeah, I think I did it for about 13 years before Erica started, uh, joining in. Mm -hmm. And so now how long, uh, total, how long have you been in business with this? 22. This will, wow. in June, it'll be 23. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I mentioned this uh, on uh, something uh, the other day on, on social media, but, you know, to me, there's nothing better than small business for the simple fact that you can get the custom work, but where else can you go where you can get the kind of customer service that you get with a small business? Right. I mean, people, when they want to get a, get something from you, they don't have to go through the call center or I mean, well, you are the call center. Right. Um, although I think didn't you tell me you do have one other person uh, helping out sometimes, but still people come to you. Oh, absolutely. I whenever we order things or people call, we're answering the phone and you're talking to the people doing the work which a lot of people really do like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you mentioned the call center. It, it seems like every place you call now has a, has a phone tree that you have to press one and three. And, and when you call us and it doesn't matter when, if we pick up the phone, what can we do for you? Yeah. 
Uh, before we continue, I just want to point out, uh, we've got a couple of people chiming in over here. David Porter, do you know David? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, talking about the, the model case that he's got. And then uh, Jeannie Ullman talking about uh, the clarinet case. Uh, so see, I mean, you've got some loyal followers, right? Uh, so that actually brings up a good question. Repeat business? Yes. Uh, in fact, we have a base customer that we're making, I think, his sixth bag in seven years. Because in the base world, you're really always looking for the next instrument because there, the, there isn't the standardization uh, and and so you're you're really trying to find just the right one and so you can you can work your way up buying one hanging on to it for a little while saving a little more money buying a nicer one selling the previous and uh, so yes this one customer uh we're building his his sixth bag wow um Maybe you need to teach him how to carry it through hallways. It sounds like he might not be as <laughs> as careful. Well, the, the, I, the bags go with the old sure. generally. Sure. Um, Erica, what is your role in the whole uh, manufacturing process? I do all of the trumpet, the mouthpiece pouches, and the gig bags. Sometimes I'll help with bass if there's... <clears throat> if they need some help, but it, it's become a little bit separate in that way, just because I, I did most of the, the ideas behind the designs and it took a while to learn how to do it, but that's pretty much what I do. And then just helping organize the shop as well. Oh, and I also digitize the embroidery files. So if somebody wants their logo on the bag, we can definitely do that. Or anything that's public domain, like clip art, people want that on their bag. And we have a, a basic program where I can merge colors and simplify it so our embroidery machine can pump those out. So they don't have to send you a vector file or, or any kind of graphics, right? They can send you a, a a JPEG or does it need to be like a PNG or SVG or? It can be any kind of regular image file. Uh, of course, the more detailed, the better, but since it's all, it's never bigger than five inches, it doesn't have to be super big. And plus, since it's thread, it's only going to be so precise anyway. And there are some, like with uh, text, there's a couple, preset fonts on there as well. So most people just want their name or initials. And these are not appliques, right? You're actually embroidering into the case itself. Correct. Though sometimes people will, if they want something that is not public domain, they can buy patches and send us patches and we'll stitch those to the bag. Somebody recently got a Deadpool bag. <laughs> it was, so it was red and black and it had some of the things that Deadpool said. The mask. The mask. Right? Oh, nice. There's a, there's a, he had a saying. Some snarky sayings. Yeah, you know. that was another little thing on there. And then uh, pro sports teams are, are, are pretty popular for putting patches on. You mean as clients? Are you using pro teams that? No, no, no. Um, where, where people are fans of a certain team. Oh, I see. And so we'll I make see. a, in fact, for a good friend, after the 
the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year, I made him a red bag and it had the yellow and white trim and I put some a Super Bowl patch on the regular Chiefs patch on it and and he couldn't have been more excited. Well, now, you know, I don't know if my wife is watching this one tonight, but if it, she knows what a geek I am for cases. And and now knowing that there are these kinds of options, all I'm thinking is, I wonder what my next case is going to look like. <laughs> well, we do the same thing. Yeah. Um, you know, okay, so this is actually a great uh, a transition. You have a, a really cool uh, art effect that you've just recently incorporated into some of your cases or bags. And you want to tell me about that? And then I'll, when it's time, I'll throw some graphics up for, for that. Okay. Uh, Lee Mesh, who's a bass player with the Metropolitan Opera, has a sister who, and he was somebody who got the first orange bag we ever made. And he would wheel it across Lincoln Center Plaza and people would <laughs> stop him to get pictures taken with it. And that was the first color besides blue we had. And then that was when Erica saw that and said, okay, we need more, more, more. And that's Benedict's exploded. Mm -hmm. But he later got a pink bag. And then not long after sent me a picture of his sister had painted really beautiful designs all over the bag. And it was just gorgeous. So eventually one of his students uh, decided to get a bag painted. And that's when we just, we realized that this was a, a really exciting option for people. And uh, recently I sent, uh, her name is Cynthia. I sent her a bag to paint as also just a demo. And that is what the pictures we sent to you are. Okay. And they are, I forget the exact type of paint and people asked if it were durable, but she said that if you've ever painted and gotten some paint on your jeans, you know how you can't get that paint out? <laughs> well, that's basically what happens. That's the so stuff. It's doing well, but uh, her her painting style I've, I've really liked. And, and she's at uh, Tortoise Brain Design on Instagram. And uh, she's got a lot of wonderful things to, to show. And, and I really just... And she's just a, a lovely person as well. Is she in Louisville or where, where is she located? She is, I believe, in Massachusetts. Um, I'm blanking on exactly where, mm -hmm. but I mostly, I think she's in Massachusetts. But we just send her stuff. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to put these pictures up and maybe uh, you guys can tell me about the first one here. Yeah, so that's a conductor bag that we sell that are designed for 11 by 17 scores. And frankly, Eric and I both use one as a laptop bag. They're, they're really handy. Um, but I sent her that and, and asked just whatever she felt like doing uh, to go ahead and do it. And uh, so that's what she came up with. And I think, that, and she does both sides. So yeah. um, it's, it's a really neat example. That is striking. I mean, the, you yes. know, the colors, even on a gray pal, that totally changes that bag. Yeah. That's gorgeous. Uh, you know, um, I, I'm no art expert, but, you know, I see uh, 
uh, well, I'm not even going to guess. I'll just embarrass myself. You know, I was going to say something like uh, Jackson Pollock, but you know, it's way too organized to be a Pollock, <laughs> right? Right. Okay, so let's go to this next bag here. Yeah. What kind of case is this? That's another. That's still a conductor bag. Okay. Um, and, uh, but I, I look at that and I don't know how it's done, but I just really, really like it. So does she decide what kind of design is going on there or does your client say, this is what I want? She works with the client. Mm -hmm. uh, the, actually the last base bag that we did, which was only about a month ago, there was a, a Paisley effect because he was interested in Paisley fabric, which doesn't exist. But so I said, here's an opportunity that you could get uh, this artist to probably accomplish what you're going for. And so he worked directly with Cynthia. They came up with the design. We sent the fabric to her. She painted it, sent it back. We turned it into a base bag and uh, it just turned out beautifully. Uh, those are striking. I mean, that's, uh, I, I, I would be, and if those aren't up on your website as examples, <laughs> I, I need to go back and look, but those are, those are fantastic. Uh, what's the turnaround time? What kind of, uh, what does that add to a custom order? That probably adds about a month would be my guess. Cause you have to, you have to, she will come up with some designs and then you get approval from the client. And so you do, there's a little bit of back and forth because there's a large color palette and depending on the size of the bag, there's a lot of area to cover. And uh, so then there's transit time of the fabric and then there's our build time. But and no limit on the type of case. I mean, anything you guys can produce. Anything is... we do, uh, you can, you can have painted. Wow. You know, to me, I hadn't heard about this before. Well, till yeah. now. I mean, this is this is fantastic, and and you know, of course, my wife did comment. She says, "Total bag geek." <laughs> um, yeah, I I do have a problem. Uh, Anthony Triplett, uh, Anthony, I think works for uh, Hammer Design. He was on uh, last night. He's got his question uh, of ever mess with the idea of a mute bag for tenor bass trombone. They often just end up in a duffel bag clanking around, and it sure would be nice to be able to strap the stand to the outside. Well. Forget about just tenor bass trombone. Let's talk about any kind of mute bag. Is that does that already exist? Yes, we do have mute bags of various sizes. They're they have handles on them, and they can have straps if you want. And we design them. You know, for trumpet, you can fit most of the basic mutes in there, and then trombone, three or four mutes. One of the things we get a lot of requests for that we haven't quite figured out exactly how we're going to do is a mute bag that has dividers so that they're not clanking on each other inside mm -hmm. of the bag. So we're open to suggestions about that. But I, I would love it, Anthony, if you just friend us and maybe we could talk about that. Because I do like it because I know for trumpet, there are some of those neoprene and they're exactly the size of one mute. And they just nicely go around the mute. They do have a clip and you could clip that on the outside. So it's as small as it can be and keeps it safe. That would be nice to do that for trumpet, trombone, and, and that would be a pretty easy way to do it because we have also made tuba mute cases. So it's exactly the shape of a tuba mute with a zipper on the bottom. So it would just be a really small version of that with a, with a clip on it. That's great. And I tell you, um, uh, so I'm thinking Christmas next year, Jenny, since you're watching Christmas next year, maybe, and, and it'll have to, it'll have to be painted. 
right? <laughs> it's going to have to have all and embroidered. I'll have all the bells and whistles. Uh, so can you mix colors of fabric on a bag? Oh, yes. You can do anything you want. Any, any panels can be whatever you want. We've had a few people. I had a friend in college, and he said, I want a bag, and I want every color you guys have. And I want every single thing to be a different color. And he just wanted the wildest looking bag. It looked, it looked really crazy. Did you call it the Frankenstein or did, did you even give it a name? Uh, yeah, it had a name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, <laughs> okay. Understood. And you, I, we, I will say the trumpet, the trumpet bags have been the most uh, prolific in people having different trim colors they really lend themselves nicely to uh, contrast, and 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 we've had a, a lot of really nice uh, combinations that people come up with themselves, and 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 sometimes they'll say, "What are your thoughts?" and and we'll steer a little bit, but they really do look distinctive, and mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and people really do like being able to pick their own stuff. Any request that's been made where you're like, uh, no, not doing that or can't do that? Only related to shapes or the, however many horns people wanted it or the configured. Basically, we'll have people that say, oh, that's really great. You know, this bag that carries four horns, but I think it should be in this shape and it should be configured like this. And it's one of those things where everybody's got an idea about how to how to do it and it takes just forever to design a bag in a different shape and, and sometimes it's just not very feasible or you know they might be the only person who would want a bag in that way actually i have one word chimbasso do you know what that is uh, I, I do but i'm i'm trying to imagine uh what the what the difficulty would be for that He's joking. Right? Is this another joke? Yeah. Is this well, no. I mean, they they come they come apart. I mean, it's not always in the L shape, right? Okay. Um, or or is it? I don't know. I've never let one get to the house. So oh. <laughs> all I do is see pictures, and and you get the thing that says nobody makes a case for this, and I think there's a really good reason for that. It's really hard, and and there are some things that just are almost not worth the effort. Sometimes you get a, a request. Well, the one that was the, the toughest is we had a customer who wanted a gig bag to carry a bassoon and a contrabassoon. It had to be a backpack style so that they could make one trip in from wherever they were parked. And well, kind of like kind of like that. Uh, no, it was it was uh, not even remotely. I I did say contrabassoon, <laughs> which uh, are very heavy in themselves, and then you have and they're somewhat delicate with all the the keys, and and I really saw no good way to uh, to accomplish that. And he had already had one custom bag made, mm -hmm. and they and he was not happy with it, and I. And I understood the predicament and I really just said, this is beyond what we're gonna be able to do in a satisfactory manner. And so we declined. He was not happy. Yeah, he wasn't happy. 
Well, they, okay, but I mean, bassoon players and, and chimbasso players are, are generally not happy anyways, right? So it's like, <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> so, I mean, what's wrong with that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I do know what a chimbasso is. I, I've seen them uh, usually as doorstops or... Mm -hmm. Uh, no, I've actually, Tony Niffen, uh, Indianapolis Symphony, I remember doing a, a, a weekend with them where he was playing, and of course, in the right hands, what a gorgeous instrument, right? Yeah. And in the wrong hands, uh, I think it should be a felony, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, okay, David Wolf, a student and, and friend of mine, says his Messina 2.5 has been a lifesaver. Uh, yeah. So do they float? Is that what he's referring to? Is this... Uh, Actually, they they probably would, uh, unless you push them under the water, because the Cordura is water resistant. It's a urethane based Cordura, and it's well much like a tent. It'll bead water, but if you start rubbing on it with your hand, eventually you'll break that surface tension, right? And you can eventually get it wet, but by and large, if you get caught in the rain, which I been caught in the rain with the bass and it it doesn't get to the instrument so you know that's that was a perfect setup and i didn't even know it because we've been talking about the manufacturing process and and your insight there but you choose really high quality materials to work with right we're not talking about you know the fabric sale at walmart no it's it's all the commercial grade uh stuff and and thousand denier is as tough as you can get it used to be what the military used uh, but the there is a tipping point where if you go past uh let me back up thought denier is a measure of weight of fabric mm -hmm. so you'll see a silk flag for uh your favorite sports team that'll be 200 denier uh and then it goes up the the ladder and uh, the military now uses 500 denier uh, for weight savings for weight savings mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they save 40 40 percent something like that yeah uh, mm -hmm. but the thousand denier is where you get the most strength versus uh flexibility and uh and 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 reliability and there is something called 1640 i believe which it is stronger in terms of if you were to grab it and try to rip it apart but it has one drawback in that if you rub it a bunch of times as you will going through doors it will it will start to degrade that way mm -hmm. earlier and so nobody's carrying anvils around in their cases so we didn't really need that extra strength yeah, yeah, but okay. So there's another great segue because now you not you make cases this and this kind of came about, I imagine, because of the the pandemic. You've pivoted a little bit because now you make cases for other than musical instruments. Yes. Yes. Such um, as a little bit. So <laughs> one of the things we tried that was a monstrous failure was uh, a gun bag. And the reason we, we had some ads on Facebook, which were just a total flop because they turned into, well, I was the model for the pictures, first of all, which looking back was probably a mistake because lots of the comments were, well, you don't look like you'd be good at shooting or, uh, does the bag come with the girl or wow. just you, you name the goofiest comments ever. And I just think that that's a market where 
they don't really want custom things. They want to be low key. And there's already a bunch of American made companies for that too. So it's one of those things where it just was never, I just don't think it would ever work out. And there's just a lot of competition there. You, you don't think a hot pink shotgun bag would, uh, would look great, you know, going on a, a dove hunt or quail hunt. We do. Yeah. Well, and Hey, we do have camo. So. Well, that's good to know. And so, all the stuff people can go to the website and get ideas of color schemes and and that right. I mean, is that easy to easy to find? It is. There's a color Good. chart and and uh, and actually, frankly, with the color, we have twenty. Yesterday we added one more color, so we have twenty three colors that we have in stock. And for a good number of people, it really is rather paralyzing when you ask them what color they want. So you you do have to a lot of times give them a bit of guidance. You can say, well, break it up into earth tones and then bright colors. Which kind of person do you think you are? And Joey Tartell is a bright color person. Yes, he is. It has, you have to have something to detract from the lack of ability to play the trumpet. Yeah. Right. I, I thought it was to detract from the fact that he never wears pants. He wears shorts. He wears shorts. Just to clarify out there, he does wear, he, he doesn't walk around naked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he wears a shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see a couple other comments here. Oh, uh, science. Yeah. You know what? I love that. Uh, and uh, Denier, Denier, right? If, yeah. if anybody in the comments can make it to Google and put it up there on how to spell it, I would love to see exactly how that, uh, how that looks. Uh, you know, there's no prize for that. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, but um, we'll we send might... you a mouthpiece pouch if you're the first one to do it. There is Ooh, there's some incentive. PM me. There you go. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so people can reach you not just through the website, of course, you're on social media, um, Facebook, Instagram. Yes. Uh, Twitter. Uh, no. Yeah, me either. I, I I've just never been able to get into it for some reason. I don't I don't know why. It's but. it's a lot. It the interesting thing is it's a lot of it's a lot of bases to cover. Uh, even within Facebook, there's our personal pages. Then there's the business page, mm -hmm. and so then there's Messenger. Mm -hmm. Then there's mess, kind of a Messenger inside the business page. There, there's a lot of places that you have to keep track of. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about marketing again. And I, honestly, it, it's been word of mouth, right? That's that's driven the business. It's oh. people seeing the case and like, I want one of those. A hundred percent. We have, in the grand scheme of things, we've spent zero dollars on advertising. Uh, what a great business model, right? I mean, to, <laughs> to not have to to worry about that aspect of it. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. Okay, so uh, David Porter looks like the first one back here by maybe uh, I, I, it's twenty thirty nine, so eight thirty nine, and Anthony Triplett also at eight thirty nine. But yeah. David's came in first. Well, Is that I'll send it to both of them, and I'll send them a pouch with your name on it. Oh my gosh, look at that! And it's going to look just like that, right? It's going to say yeah, it's your name. Say your name. <laughs> <laughs> I say your name. Right, right. It's just like those the stories about people going to uh, the uh, the bakery and asking for you know a certain thing to be put written on right. top of a cake, and they take them literally. 
Yes. What else you got there, Erica? So Dave Porter mentioned our super single, and he says versatile. And so a super single is actually one of our flugelhorn bags, but it has this awesome insert in it where it it basically protects your B flat from other objects you want to put onto it. So up here you can put mutes, snacks. You can even put a piccolo up here too. And when you close it, it won't it will not touch the other instrument. And if you want to use it as a flugel bag, you can just take the velcroable insert out, and it's basically two cases in one. Uh, originally designed as what a flugel case. Yes. But like everything else, right? You can you can find you said snacks, right? So I mean, <laughs> well, those yeah. were when we were flying uh, to uh, visit my family, we would take two of those, and Erica could take a B flat and a C. I would be it, one would be my personal bag, one would be hers, and we could have snacks or whatever mutes and things, and you could get on and off the airplane without having to check your horns and they were a really very safe way yeah. to get a horn uh on, on and off a plane you know typically i would have to to somehow stuff the snacks down the bell on my b flat right i mean there was no room in the case i'm kidding from I which would... end though i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the problem right unless it was a slim jim you know yeah, forget right. it yeah right that's great. And I don't know how many people know what a Slim Jim is, but, you know, again, <laughs> I grew up in Kentucky, right? And there are truck stops. Everybody should know what a Slim Jim is. Oh, yeah. Thirsty. Yeah. Um, th this, so what, the, what I'm seeing personally is this growth from, and not just the original base case, the base bag, but even lately, this growth in... Uh, maybe custom ideas now becoming more of a stock uh, option or do you actually carry stock or is everything custom? There's a couple trumpet bags sitting over there that are just black with a red logo. Every mm -hmm. once in a while, somebody wants something really quick mm -hmm. so we can offer them that. And they occasionally do that. Oh, and then there's also a lot of plain mouthpiece pouches in stock, but almost every almost everyone wants their name on it. So, you know, if I were to do it, I would put my logo on there. Yeah. I would do the Studio HFL. We're going to have to talk. Yes, <laughs> Jenny, forget I said that. Um, okay, so but back to the the uh, this this expansion of right. I mean. Uh, Maybe it started as bass. Now that you've got every instrument, have you made piccolo cases, piccolo bags? More than a piccolo bag, you'll have a woodwind bag. In fact, Jeannie uh, Ullman, who mentioned her bag, carries a number of cases and a few supplies in general area that was then in a case. Mm -hmm. as, as a woodwind player, she's carrying a lot of things. Flute players, we actually have made a modified, actually turns out to be a modified airline trumpet bag mm -hmm. for a flute player that would carry, what would that be? An, there was an alto flute, a regular flute, mm -hmm. a piccolo, the stands, and her whole entourage of, of instruments all in one bag. And in fact, the first one we made, she took on tour in China. And, nice. uh, and it was 
well, like carrying all your trumpets, mm-hmm. all in one on your back, very safe and uh, always with you. Mm-hmm. But uh, tuba bags are probably behind bass and trumpet. Tuba bags are, are probably the most common uh, other instrument that we've been making. Done anything for uh, percussion at all? We've done a fair amount of marimba mm-hmm. covers, mm-hmm. cymbal bags, cymbal bags, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, it, in the in the percussion world, instead of mouthpieces like trumpets, a lot of them collect snare drums, and so uh, we've made a fair number of snare drum bags, which tend to be. Uh, not standard sizes so the, they don't necessarily find one for this particular thing so they'll they'll come to us for a, a custom snare bag my oldest son and a business partner just started a custom drum company so we're going to have to talk off air after after we're done here but we're going to have to talk because i think this might be a cool uh cool thing to tie in uh kind of like with uh, Brass for Beginners, right? I mean, you guys are now making cases for, not just for uh, individuals, but you've got, uh, that I know of, at least one client with maybe bulk orders. Yes, that worked out really well. So thank you again for that. You're welcome. And I, I love their their products and I think we make a, a, a good match up there. The case worked perfectly for the the, the multiple horns and then all of the the slides and the the crooks it, it's really cool well it's, it's like a tackle box for a horn it's an amazing how many things go in there well chris uh, hasselbring just posted a video a day or two ago or it might have been a week i am horrible with remembering you know time span but uh posted a video of how to do a crook change on these baroque trumpets and of course you see the the uh the pipe and the crook uh, the yard and the crook bags i mean you see your product it's messina product uh in in this video and so if anybody is interested in seeing what that looks like um of course i don't know if you have a link at messinacovers.net but you can also message me i'll make sure you get that link uh brassforbeginners.com and uh that in itself is a great product um very well designed and uh yeah I'm, i'm glad that worked out uh other maybe major buyers do you have a uh, bulk anybody that you supply at the at the moment no. is, tar- is target placing orders for <laughs> they're actually not no. uh, it's it is really uh mostly direct uh that is one thing that the era of the smartphone accelerated mm was just individuals con- well doing a search and then making their own choice and then contacting directly. And it's, I think there's, to your point about small businesses, I, I do think there is some cachet, not only that, but a desire to, to support a local business or to, to support somebody that is that is not well, frankly not Target. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing against Target. Uh, we, we've gone to Target. Sure. But it, when when you can actually talk to or actually know somebody that makes something, they people enjoy that, and it's it's uh, frankly a little more fun. 
Well, and like the two of you, when you've got people who speak so well about the product, right? It, you guys do make it fun and interesting to talk about this, right? I mean, you know, um, so let's talk about maybe how you balance this stuff out. Because when you're not in the shop making cases, bags, you are out on your bikes, right? Both of you are, are avid cyclists, am I right? Yes. That is correct. Competitive? I, yes. No. <laughs> I do race, uh, and it's it's pretty fun. Oh, I didn't get to this this season because most everything was canceled. Mm -hmm. But I most years I do a a pretty more involved campaign in the fall with a discipline called cyclocross, which is basically fat-ish tire road bikes in grass. And there's sand pits and logs to jump over. It's kind of a mix between cross country and bike racing. The races are about 45 minutes to an hour and they're very spectator friendly. They take place in parks and it, they're also pretty safe because if you crash, you're only going to land in the grass and you're not, there's not much as much high speed mm -hmm. as like a road race. Mm -hmm. But when and, you train, sorry, go ahead. Oh, and one last thing, uh, it's, and it's also rain or shine, so it gets pretty muddy, and it's, it's <laughs> typical to have a mechanic in the pit for you so you can swap out uh, different bikes, and David's a really great bike mechanic. He worked at a bike shop for 10 years, so we nice. do all of our own work, and it, most of our bikes are, you know, we tweak it and do all sorts of different components and such. So, you know, let's say you're going out for a, a Saturday afternoon you're going for a long ride. If you go together, how 40 miles, 50 miles, 100? Yeah, any of those up, up <laughs> to probably 120. Sometimes in this last summer, my, my one of my goals was to do a double century. So I did do a 200 mile ride. Um, I remember you posting about that. Yeah, it was it was pretty intense. And David did the last 50 miles with me and, and was my for the first 150. I would come home and he'd have food ready for me. And so that was great. I, I, I can't even imagine. Well, for me to do a, a double century, I mean, we're talking, I'd have to take a month <laughs> to, to accomplish that. So kudos to you. That's I, I think that's so cool. And is it a nice distraction from you know, case making, bag making. As, and I, actually, I think there are more musicians than you realize that actually are cyclists. Um, in the West Virginia Symphony, we regularly have probably a half dozen people that'll that'll come out on a, on a bike ride when we're over in Charleston. And in fact, our our friend uh, David Porter is an avid cyclist himself. And, and Jeannie. Uh, and Jeannie is a, is mm -hmm. a cyclist mm -hmm. and, and, and a racer. And so where there are a fair number of us uh, that, that like, uh, like cycling. There's a, in some ways, there's a work ethic to it that you're accustomed to because of practicing, that you get into a kind of a groove and, and, and it's mm -hmm. enjoyable. Now, the one other thing about a road ride is you can also have a conversation. And so if you're out on a bike path and you've got 10 miles of just open, beautiful scenery, you have lovely conversations, you get to know people. That's, it's uh, one of the reasons that you end up with a lot of cyclist friends is because mm -hmm. it's, 
not only just exercise, but there's a there's a camaraderie aspect of it as well. And you work together and and uh, and can have a lot of fun. In fact, we ride a lot down in uh, Elizabethtown in the summer with the with the Central Kentucky Wheelman. Well, you know, in Indiana here, and I think it starts in Terre Haute and goes all the way across. It's called Rain, right across Indiana. You go Terre Haute to Richmond, I think. I've done it twice. And, you know, I've, I do have friends that post about this, and it does seem like a very, uh, it, it's not a race, right? Because they talk about stopping and, and getting. Look, look, it's always a race. It's always a race. It's, if it's not a race, it's a race. Now, some people don't, but I, if you show up anywhere and there's a finish line, there's going to be racers. Put it this uh, way, it's timed. Oh, okay. Okay. If it's timed, it's a race. Yeah. Now, when I did it, it was not a race for me. I was racing myself, mm-hmm. but there is a contingent of the of the riders that do rain that is definitely a race. The rest of us, it is it is a test for ourselves and uh, something to be uh, to a goal to be achieved. Well, now I would like to say I would rather bike across Indiana than West Virginia. Right. I mean, you, it's got to be there's there's nothing flat there except no. the B flat. Right. That's it. Correct. There's a D there, I think, as well. OK, but Fine. the uh, but yes, uh, although. In, uh, West Virginia is a spectacularly beautiful place mm-hmm. to ride. Uh, I mean, it is completely different. Yes. To, to Indiana. But uh but southern Indiana is actually quite hilly, and, and uh, I mean, riding around in Bloomington or some of those areas, it's really gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get into it. I do enjoy just you know casual riding, and uh, our, my family we did a lot of it <laughs> this past year because we had the time to do it. But um, so, well, this has been great. I mean, to find out a little bit about you know your side gig with the biking. Uh, but you're also still in a regular, normal world. You're still gigging musicians, right? You're both still active. Correct. Um, and I can speak to the fact, Erica, that you are one of the finest musicians I've sat next to. You're a fantastic trumpet player. And uh, always, always, you know, if I see your name on the roster, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be great. Well, thanks a lot, Larry. That means a lot. And the same to you as well. Oh, Thanks. Uh, um, and I mean that, you know, it's, uh, I, I told my wife, I told Jenny earlier today that, you know, you think about that, you know, when you look at a roster for the the concert cycle and you see a name on there, you're like, oh, I get to sit next to so-and-so this week. And sometimes you're like, oh crap, <laughs> not very often, but that does happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, playing in Owensboro, it's, it's just a great section, a great orchestra and just really, really fun. Well, I tell you, we're all itching to get back to get back to that uh, socially distanced or not. Right. I think right. we're all ready to get back to that. David, I look for an, uh, forward to an opportunity, you know, for us to be on the same stage at some do. point. Uh, it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I've learned an awful lot tonight. I mean, you guys are not just custom bag makers. I mean, you are truly custom. It's like the embroidery, the colors this new option now with say her name again, the painter, uh, tortoise brain design, tortoise brain design. And her name is Cynthia mesh and Cynthia mesh. So I'll try to put that in the show notes for this, make sure everybody gets access to that. 
Um, yeah, but I mean, this is this is terrific. See, this is what I've been kind of plugging all week is we know about mouthpiece makers. We know about horn manufacturers. We know about uh, arrangers, you know, Q press and all that sort of thing. But when it comes to case makers, it's like, what, you know, what is there to know? Well, it seems like there's an awful lot to know and appreciate in what you guys do. So I, I really appreciate you guys sharing all that uh, tonight. Thanks so. for having us. It's Absolutely. Uh, you know, as it, I know we've got some friends over here, probably. Mark Angle, is that somebody uh, you guys yes, know? Yes, he was my band director in high school, and he, a trumpet player as well, a very fine player. Taught me so much. Uh, David Porter, we mentioned. Uh, uh, Anthony Triplett. Rosemary, uh, Rosemary Klein, she is a trumpet player here in Indianapolis. Uh, really fine trumpet player. Um, I see. Jeannie Ullman, is that a friend of yours? Yes. Very fine clarinet player. And uh, Jonathan Bradley just chimed in. Thanks. Uh, Tina, Tina Gunther Allgood. Oh, we, we, we would be remiss. That is, that is somebody we forgot to talk about. We also offer vinyl heat press. If your logo, for your logo, for example, mm -hmm. uh, I'm looking at it at the upper left, upper right hand corner very well may be better suited for a vinyl heat press than say a standard embroidery. Mm. And if you have, there are some things that our embroidery machine does not do well. And so we, uh, we recruited our friend and neighbor. She lives three doors down. Mm -hmm. We have a wonderful neighborhood. And, uh, and she was already doing some of this. And we said that we have an order that would pay for a heat press machine for you if you were interested. So she said yes, and she got a machine and she hasn't looked back. She just does it on the side and enjoys it and is really good at it. And we've done some really nice things. Uh, somebody put Cooperstown in large letters on their base bag. Mm -hmm. This was a obviously a baseball themed uh, bag and the O's were baseballs and she did all that in heat press vinyl and it looks fabulous. Wow. Well, um, you talk about your neighborhood. Just to, to clarify, if you are truly from um, Kentucky, how do you say the city where you're uh, where you're living and working? Louisville. Yes. Yes. You have to swallow the Louisville, yes. right? Yeah, when I meet people that tell me that, yeah, I, I'm from Louisville, I'm thinking, no, you're yeah. not. Yeah. No, you're not. You, you've driven through there, and that's it. Yeah, when you, so. say, when you say it on the phone, <laughs> your address, and you say Louisville, they say, cool. where? Yeah. yeah it, it, named after King Lua. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Actually, it was Lou, the 14th, I think. Uh, yeah. uh, Ryan Nottingham, another one who chimed in here. Ryan's another really fine trumpet player. Yeah. Had an opportunity to work with him. He's in Louisville as well, right? He yes, is. I just yeah. liked him today, actually. Oh, terrific! Well, guys, this has been this has been really fun. And uh, uh, no, uh, one more question: um, Everything's by the phone or by email or web, right? Uh, do you guys actually have uh, when in good times? Do you have a walk-in opportunity, or is this usually usually? You can you can walk in. In fact, we had somebody that wanted to come see the factory, mm -hmm. uh, which we found very endearing because it's uh, our basement but uh 
people who are low. I mean, we have a fair number of people that are local that'll just yeah. come by and pick up a bag. But uh, by and large, it's it's uh, digital. Very nice. Well, guys, let me uh, don't go anywhere. Oh, Erica, you were going to say something. Yeah. Can I just show a couple? Things? Absolutely. No, we're not done yet. We don't have to be done at all. Okay. So you saw the super single. That was one. That was an example of one thing. A lot of people don't realize we have another example of things that people don't always know about are our backpacks. Nice. So they're very, they're very durable and you can get them to match your bag. A lot of people like doing that. I have one. Yes. So, and, and, and these are, you make these as well. It's not like you, yes. you buy these in bulk and put no. the embroidery. I mean, these are constructed. Wow. Very yes. nice. And here's another conductor bag and this is a really great color a new color that we have it's kind of like an electric neon blue so yeah. just keep that in mind and is that, that, that is a yeah that's a donut that's a donut i don't yeah. know if you can tell it that's yeah yeah and then another new color we have is is just orange hunter camo if oh, you want nice. if you want attention get a camo bag you will get so many comments and just people asking about it and if you're in hardin county people you'll be their hero you know you know the hunting crowd yep and then one other thing so we we're talking about people like wild bags but a lot of people like subtle bags but maybe just a little personal touch we, we've recently started doing oh. thread in different colors so if nice. you like wanted a black bag but just a little bit of a personal touch you can you can get a little bit of uh yellow green blue thread something like that um now you know you mentioned camo will get attention but once again the eight mouthpiece trumpet pouch is, is this the largest you've made yes yes you win <laughs> i win Yours is the biggest. You and, the you know, and, and what's cool about this, of course, right? I mean, it, it does, and it holds, this is this is great. Um, and, you know, somebody would think, I know I've been asked several times, uh, why? I mean, that's been the question, why? And, and my answer is, because. Because I could, and they did, right? Yeah. So, yeah, Ryan's, <laughs> people are commenting on that. Um, do you foresee any new product line in the future? I know you mentioned guns was kind of a failure, but any any other things that might be around the corner? Not necessarily around the corner. Someday I do want to make a hard bag. Well, I guess it's not a bag, a hard case. Mm -hmm. Something sort of like... Um, similar to like a Marcus Bona bag. Mm -hmm. and I think that'd be really neat. And I really like Wiseman cases. Mm -hmm. I think what he does is so cool because the, the zipper is module modular to the rest of the bag. So let's say you have the bag for a long time and the zipper, something happens with that. You can take that off, but keep the rest of the case. And it's, it's so interchangeable. Mm -hmm. I just think he has, I just think he has some of the best cases ever. And I think it'd be really great to do that, but that'll be a big undertaking to learn how to mold plastic and mm -hmm. 
integrate it, but but someday that's that's a dream. Well, Larry Wiseman and Dolly, they started, of course, here in Indianapolis, or maybe I don't know if it was Indy, but Indiana. And I, I don't know where uh, you know those bags are made at the the moment. If I'm thinking the same thing, the Dolly bags, maybe some people call them those, but um, I'm sure somebody out there can prove me wrong or or prove me right on that. Um, anything else? I mean, okay, here's here's a question. What's the smallest bag you've ever made? A lead pipe pouch. For the brass for beginners? No, nope, just a just a piccolo lead pipe <laughs> pouch. You know, this that's the smallest. Which which thing. doubles as an Apple pen. Uh, Apple Apple pencil Apple pouch pencil if you pouch. want. Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, on a more realistic note. There are plans that we've been sketching for a bell-off French horn bag. Lots of requests for that. Yeah. Uh, um, what would be the challenge in that? I'm thinking, aren't, isn't that just kind of a flat case? No. Uh, what you have is the horn minus the bell goes in a large pocketed section and then on top you have a stitched to the top you have a padded and zippered pocket for the bell oh like the marcus bona kind of like that right yes yes i got you well, in a similar shape just not um not a hard case not a hard, not a hard case. case yeah it's there i think there was a reunion blues at one point and I'm not sure if they're still making that or not. Because mm -hmm. uh, actually, we've had a we've had a number of retirements over the last several years. Uh, Cronkite, uh, the tuba bags, he retired um, the, in the end of 2000. Well, I guess that'd be 20. Was it? Was it? Right, and you're talking about competition, is that right? Yes. yes. Um, and and I mean, Cronkite bags were very are very fine bags. Mm -hmm. um, and then the major base bag manufacturer retired at the end of 2020, uh, Meridian. And uh, so it's, it's interesting in that small business uh, part of the world, people retire and that's, that's it a lot of times. Do you guys do international orders? Oh, all the time. Yeah. In fact, we're, I just finished a bag that's going to Sweden, uh, and it's the second bag. This customer and a buddy of his both ordered bags. And uh, interestingly, it's, we do a lot with Norway, Sweden, um, Denmark, Switzerland. Uh, we, we send a fair amount of bags over there. We also have a, a shop in Japan, and we have a shop in Singapore that carries our, our bags. Nice. Wow. I, I had no idea you had that kind of international uh, reach. That's terrific. Yeah. The yeah. Japanese market is interesting because they are very interested in ornate, uh, customized uh, bags. Mm -hmm. So we see a lot of very specific uh, requests coming out of the, the Japanese market. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, once the idea of this painted bag or painted case gets out there, I can see where that just 
uh, you could yeah. blossom, it'll explode, right? Knowing yeah. that that's another another option. Yeah. Uh, have things been pretty steady through the the pandemic? I mean, I, a little bit of a slowdown, or what's that been like? Right after it hit, it was nothing for about two months. So we were just catching up. We were kind of behind, so that was a little bit, uh, you know, mm -hmm. good timing, I guess, for that. Mm -hmm. And then it slowly started to pick back up. And then college students really saved the day. A lot of pros aren't buying bags, but people are still going to school and they still got to carry their instruments around. So mm -hmm. that we're down 40%, maybe up a little bit since Christmas. And it's, it's a lot of college students and it's mm -hmm. just enough to keep us going. Our employee, Samantha, we like to make sure that she above all else has enough work, you know, since we mm -hmm. split bills and such, it's easier for us mm -hmm. to take care of ourselves and plus some of the gigging and teaching that I do. So we, we want to make sure she's just fine. And actually, I don't know if I told you this, but David on Thanksgiving chopped his finger with an ax. So he couldn't sew for a month and a half. It was really scary. Uh, we should have gone to the hospital, but a bow hand or or left hand? No, left hand. Holy yeah. cow! And he told me he was fine, and it started bleeding like twice. And so when we did go to the emergency room two days later, they were like, "Listen, you got to listen to your wife next time." So, please, gentlemen, don't be a tough guy. It's not worth it. But anyway, so his his finger was messed up for a while. So one of the nice things was Samantha learned a bunch of stuff that she wouldn't have if it hadn't been for the pandemic and that um, because we had extra time. So we spent some of that extra time sort of refining what we do and then, and then making sure all of us maybe knew some of the different things that we weren't necessarily the specialists mm -hmm. at doing. Well, uh, along that line, my wife started a small business uh, of her own during this, right? We we refurnished the garage, uh, put a screen print shop in there, and you know she's had orders. But uh, some of the downtime is exactly what you're talking about: is kind of refining the whole process. And uh, yes, this is a shameless plug for her business, the Best Feeling Shirt Company. Um, yeah, and hopefully she's still on. And uh, if not, I got to get credit for that somewhere. But um, okay. so. Uh, Okay, so 2020, uh, David, was this also the year that you had a small bike accident? I, I did have a small bike accident in February. Uh, and, and I'm being sarcastic. It was a rather serious accident. It was not life-threatening, but it, uh, it required a specialist uh, surgically. And luckily, I, 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 I crashed in... Houston, Texas, which is where the preeminent doctor for this procedure happens to uh, practice. So wow. I was I was well cared for, um, and it's one of those weird, incredibly low speed, seemingly innocuous turning a corner, and the rear wheel slipped out, and I hit my hip on the ground just properly to. Uh, shatter my pelvis, and so you you uh, you get signed up for a special surgery and plates and screws and mm -hmm. a 
reasonably long recovery time. And and full recovery at this point? Yes, yes. Fantastic. In fact, I, I was back on the bike uh, outside at the beginning of June, and uh, I didn't do a 200-mile ride, but I did manage 3,500 miles this year. Wow. Talk about getting back on the horse, right? Well, that truly is it. You either, as, as uh, Shawshank Redemption, you either get busy living or you get busy dying. Mm. And uh, it's, it's too much of a part of what we do and, and who we are and what we want to, uh, to, uh, to give it up. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> tell me you don't ride your bike with your, your base on your back. That I don't do. Okay, good. <laughs> I mean, I, I knew the pictures, answer to that. Yeah. Well, not a, well, first of all, yeah. the pic, the pictures you see of people riding with a, a bass on their back, they're not very heavy instruments. And yeah. most of the orchestral stuff, you, oh gosh, you don't like carrying them at all, let alone yeah. on a bike. So uh, for people still watching, uh, if there's this would be a good opportunity, a last chance maybe to ask a question or make a, a comment. Um, we'll wait a couple of minutes to see if anything comes in and uh, still to the people out there. Thank you for joining us tonight. You know, what's been nice is, yeah, sometimes I see what looks like low numbers watching up here, but then I'll look at Facebook and it's like, oh, there's a really good number of people watching this. But this is also another reminder that this is going to go right onto YouTube and be accessible for people after the fact, the audio will go onto the podcast. Uh, you know, so that will be accessible. So when people are driving now, they're going to miss the visual aspect of all the, the show and tell. Right. But uh, we'll we'll uh, I'll try to make sure that I direct them uh, to the website so where they can your website where they can see everything. Um, guys, this this has been fantastic. And uh, I, I really appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, I so many jokes. You know, I wanted to keep everybody in stitches. Stuff like that, that I. <laughs> it that seems I, so easy. It does, right? But uh, so here, Janie is uh, commenting: quality products from quali quality products from quality people. Absolutely. Thank you. Jane. Absolutely. So um, yeah, I can't imagine uh, anybody would disagree with that. I certainly don't. Um, so guys, again, thank you. Um, I'll do a, a little bit of a sign off here, but don't go anywhere, David, Erica. Don't go anywhere. Uh, once we get off air, I, we'll, we'll chat for just a minute. So uh, let me shift this around. Everybody, thank you for being here. This is the final session uh, for the Industry Pro Showcase, as I named it this week. Uh, of course, Trent Austin, uh, Ricky Riccardi, Peter Pickett, Eric Black, uh, Peter Pickett, Eric Marine, uh, Whiff Rudd, Carl Hammond, and of course, David and Erica tonight. All this is available on YouTube. And while you're at YouTube, if you can subscribe, I'm almost to 100 subscribers there. That'd be great to at least reach that. Um, Facebook, Instagram, at Studio HFL. Uh, the website, studiohfl.com. And uh, email, Larry, at Studio HFL. Trying to keep all the branding consistent there. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, oh, uh, one last little bit of exciting news. If you're interested in Thomas Gonch, I'm doing a live session with him Sunday, January 24th, 3 p.m. Eastern. And that's going to be an incredible hang with one of the one of the 
most amazing trumpet players, performers, not just a trumpet player, most amazing performers around. So uh, there'll be some, a, a lot of promo on that. Uh, everybody, uh, you know, just pass your thanks to David and Erica, uh, as I'm doing right now, guys, thanks again. And until next time. Well, that's where my interview ends with David and Erica. Hope you enjoyed that. With regular interviews, I would usually excerpt a portion of the interview and make that available exclusively for my Patreon patrons. You can find out more about how to receive that benefit and others at patreon.com slash studiohfl. And again, to those who are already patrons, thank you so much. Another reminder to visit Apple Podcast and to leave both a star rating and a review, and please visit the Studio HFL YouTube channel and subscribe. This has been a production of Powell Music, and the show is supported again by the generosity of Messina Covers, Eastman Winds, S.E. Shires, Hammond Design, and Pickup Blackburn. Once again, I'm your host, Larry Powell. Grateful that you spent some time here with me today, and I look forward to presenting you with another terrific guest. Have a great day.